Good morning. Thank you, Clifton. That will probably be much better than what I present. <laughs> However, it is good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. I thank God for being here. Pastor Chris asked me a few weeks ago if I could speak on December 26th. And I said no because we would be out of town. And I said yes. <laughs> I dodged the bullet. And so he called on Monday. He had another opportunity for me to speak. Uh, he said Jewel was sick. And he needed someone to fill in for her. Well, I certainly can't feel Jewel's shoes. But I can stand here before you and present what the Lord has given me and poured into my spirit to present to you. My husband and I still work. I work right around the corner on Maryland Farms. And I'm a senior program manager, <clears throat> excuse me, for a payment processing company. And what that means is that I work with large clients to help them integrate and roll out our product to their company. We have a long discussion. I'm talking with CFOs, controllers, HR directors, VPs. And we talked for about an hour on that first call, and sometime maybe an hour and a half. We call that a kickoff call. And then we get to the end of the call. I'll talk about some action items. And then we take a look at next steps. It's very important for them to know next steps. In our lives, there are times when we are seeking next steps. Take, for instance, that's right, you all talk back to me now. I'm from the Baptist church. When I, when I pitch it, you catch it and throw it back to me. All right? My husband is telling me there's something wrong with my mic. I don't know what that is. All right, we're just going to take that earring off. How about that? The ladies knew. Ladies talk back to me. Talk back to me. And, and you know what, ladies, I got something else to tell you before I get into um, the presentation today. I was back there, and they were fixing the mic and everything, and he had pulled up my hair, and uh, he had in the back and pulled up my hair in the front. I said, wait a minute now. <laughs> you don't touch black women's hair. Amen, Ebony. Amen. <laughs> but anyway, we were talking about next steps. And in our lives, there are times when we are seeking next steps. Take, for instance, if you lose a job, you may ask yourself, what are my next steps? If a loved one passes away, you may ask, what are my next steps? If you divorce and life is totally different now, you're more than likely to think about your next steps. If you lose a child, God forbid, you want to know, what are my next steps? If you have a child and now you must go back to work, 
you may be seeking your next steps. If you thought you would be married by now, but you're not, you're probably thinking about what are your next steps. Or you recently got married, you may be thinking now that we are married, what are our next steps? If you're diagnosed with an incurable disease, I know some people like that. You're probably wondering, what are my next steps? Clifton and I are very close to retirement. We're very close to retirement. I'm praying about next steps, and I am thinking about next steps. Today, we're going to look at a woman who teaches us about how to approach next steps, especially during those hard and difficult times in our lives. This woman is in Luke 2, 36 through 38. And in a moment, I'll start reading in Luke 2, 21, and then I'll stop at 38. First, I want to take a moment to just pray and ask the Lord to help me to present and ask the Lord to help you to receive. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another Sunday. Thank you so much for another day. Lord, before I ask for anything, Lord, I just would like to lift up those who are in the storm. Father, my heart is just so saddened for those who lost their loved ones, who lost their homes. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would be with them today, that you would comfort, that you would heal. And I just pray that for all those who are believers, Father, that you will draw them closer to you through this situation. For those who are unbelievers, Father, that they will see a need for a Savior. And Lord, I pray that you would be with me today, that you will get me out of the way and speak through me so that your people can hear from you this morning, Lord. They don't need to hear from me. I prepare it, Father, but I pray that you will block anything that I should not say. And we replace it with what I should say. Lord, I love you. I thank you. And I bless your holy name. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So I am going to go to Luke 2. And you all can turn with me. And we're going to start in the 21st verse. Everybody there. I'll give you a moment to find it. This writing could be a little bigger here. On the eighth day, I still hear some pages turning. All right, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. So now I'm setting the scene. You see what's happening. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die 
before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentile and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child. Is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thought of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now this is the first witness. Simeon is the first witness to Jesus being at the temple. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel. In most Bibles, it's listed as P-E-N-U-E-L. Of the tribe of Asher, she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 884. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redeeming of Jerusalem. Luke places a lot of emphasis on women in the book of Luke. He provides more passages about women than any other gospel. There are 23 unique stories in the book of Luke about women. Luke's gospel most importantly described the significant role of women that women played from the very beginning of Jesus' life and his ministry. Maybe he was sympathetic towards women because Luke was a Gentile. And in that society, Gentiles were degraded and so were women as well. And so maybe he understood and he was sympathetic towards women. He decides not to tell us anything else about Simeon, and he goes on to talk about a woman. Luke tells us of the other witness to Jesus at the temple, the woman. Her name is Anna. Isn't that a beautiful name? Her name is Anna. He tells us in verse 36 what she is, her daddy's name, her tribe. He lets us know that she was very old. Her husband dies after only seven years of, eight of, of marriage. In verse 37, he tells us she was a widow. And we see her next steps after this critical time in her life in verses 37 and 38. She had some next steps. She had a critical time in her life. She lost her husband. Let's discuss some of the things Luke shared. Luke starts with her name, and her name means grace and favor. It reminds us of the famous Hannah in 1 Samuel. Actually, it's equivalent to the Hebrew name Hannah. 
Hannah presented her son to Samuel in the temple, and here is Mary and Joseph presenting, presenting their son in the temple. Jesus is the new Samuel to lead Israel. And he says in 36, that verse 36, Luke 2, 36, that she's a prophetess. Now, not often does this happen, but with the, the title prophetess, she outranks Simeon. He's a righteous and devout man, but she's a prophetess. And a prophetess, a person who proclaims God's word, they get the word from God and they proclaim God's word. So she was a spokesperson, per se, for God. And some said she was called a prophetess because she was married to a prophet. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. All I know is that the Bible calls her a prophetess, someone who's proclaiming the word of God. There are other women in the Bible who were identified as prophetess. Miriam, Exodus 15, 20. You all know Miriam, the sister of Moses. Deborah, uh, Judges 4 and 4. And Huldah, 2 Kings 22, 14. Luke is telling us that Anna is a woman of God. What he's sharing with us about her being a prophetess. As a prophetess, she was very close to God. She was very close to God because she was hearing what God had to say and proclaiming what he had to say. The next thing verse 36 tells us, hold on, let me back up for a second. I want to talk about Penuel, her daddy. Now, his name means face of God. In the scripture, it also is the name where Jacob wrestled with God in Genesis 2. It's interesting that the scripture mentions her daddy's name and not her husband's name. But by giving the name of Anna's father, it leads your mind to consider that Jesus is the face of God. Jesus is the face of God. Jesus is Penuel in the flesh, God in the flesh. The next thing verse 36 tells us is that Anna was from the tribe of Asher. And I talked about this with my husband, and I told him, as you know, many times, like, when you say where you're from, people start thinking about the type of person that you are, if you're from a certain place. And so Asher is, means blessed. And was a northern tribe of Israel conquered by the Assyrians in 721 B.C. It became known as one of the ten lost tribes. But hallelujah, let's look over in Luke 2, 36 through 38. What once was lost is now back in the form of Anna. Asher was also known for favor, prosperity, which came from the resources of the region, especially the olive oil, and was characterized as a happy tribe. And... Their symbol was also the olive tree. Luke goes on to tell us that she's old. She's old. The King James Version says that she was of great age. The NIV Version says that she was very old. Now we, somebody laughed. I thought she would be great to talk about because I'm old. So from Luke 2, 36, her names mean grace or favor. Is that what I said? 
She's a prophetess. Her daddy name means face of God. She's from a tribe that had favor, is known for prosperity. It was a happy tribe. She had lived with her husband seven years in marriage and then was a widow until 84. That's a lot in one verse, isn't it, you all? That's a lot in one verse. Luke 2.37 starts with, and this woman was a widow of about 84 years. Y'all know some women don't like to tell their age. My sister, God rest her soul, she would cut you <laughs> if you told her age. But I believe that Luke is being very respectful here because he's making a point by telling her age. He's being very respectful and he's explaining to us how committed she was. How committed she was. And I read some commentaries and com some commentaries said she was married around the age of 14 years old. And she was uh, widowed after seven years. That makes her about 21 years old when her husband died. And uh, the Bible is saying that in this passage, she's 84 years old. Other commentaries take this to say she was married at 12, 13, or 14. If she had gotten married, let's say, at 14 once again and was married seven years, that was 21. She was married. Her husband died, excuse me, when she was 21. Say, some say the scripture is saying she was a widow 84 years plus 21 years and that she was 105 years old. I'm not certain about either one, but I do know that the scripture says she was very old. So if she was 84, some may consider that very old. If she's 105, we know that's very old. <laughs> but nevertheless, after seven years of marriage, Anna finds herself a widow. I've gone over all the positive things about Anna. Being a prophetess, her Anna means grace and favor. Yet, she was not exempt from difficult times. No one is. The songwriter says, must Jesus bear the cross along and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone. And there's a cross for me. She wasn't exempt. Neither are we exempts. We have been washed in the blood of Jesus. Our life has been bought with a price. It's no longer our own, but we are not exempt from trouble. My relatives in Mississippi used to say, it may not be at your door today, but it's around the corner. It'll be knocking tomorrow. So we are not exempt from trouble. The Bible tells us in James 1 and 2, and this is NIV, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. It doesn't say if you face trials of many kinds. And I know you all have seen this, have heard this in Bible study before, but it says when, when you face trials of many kinds. This means as Christians, once again, we are just not exempt from trouble, trials. Anna teaches us next steps after difficult times should always include God. Always include God. Many times when we have difficulties, we're looking in so many directions for help. And sometimes help is needed from different directions, but we need to talk to God about it first. So, Include God 
And today, you all use the acronym IG to mean what? Is that Instagram? That's Instagram, right? But today, we're going to use the acronym IG to stand for Include God. Now, I want to give you five points Anna teaches us. Five points. Anna, number one, she teaches us that our next steps will be influenced by God if we know God prior to the difficult times in our lives. It will be much easier to include God in our circumstances that a God that we, could, we already trust and a God that we already know. Everything about, I've seen about Anna in these few verses lead me to believe Anna already knew God and was serving God before her husband died. Now, there are instances when God has to get the husband out of the way to get your attention because you see him as the provider. We have so many avenues to know God today. Hard copy Bible, online scripture. We, you say it, you usually use your phone on our phone, our laptops, audible scripture, even if you can't read, television and radio. This same Jesus who came as a baby in this passage made it possible for us to be able to pray anywhere. We can pray in the bathroom. We can pray right now, and I hope you're praying. And we can pray while we're in our bed lying down. And so we just need to get to know him through the word and through prayer. Christians get to know him before trouble knocks on your door. Number two, we can endure through life challenges if we include who? If we include God in our next steps. During a time when women were highly dependent on a husband, Anna endured without a husband for all those years because she included God in her next steps. In spite of experiencing one of life's greatest challenges, I believe that's one of life's greatest, uh, greatest challenges, to uh, lose a husband, especially that soon, the death of a spouse. She goes on to live a long, productive life. Many times you think Christian would develop a closer walk with God during hard times, during difficult times, during tricky times. It's not always the case. I've seen people walk away from God. I've seen people in my family walk away from God and blame him for allowing hard times to happen. In the midst of life's challenges, we often can't see how we can get through it. Not seeing a way out can cause us to be anxious and possibly cause us to lose our faith in God. Anna shows us that including God in our next steps can not only cause us to endure, but can even cause us to thrive. Cause us to thrive after they experience major challenge in our life. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 reminds us, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye, who can help me out? Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain. I have a cousin, and she's been enduring for a long time through hard times. I just got to talk about her just for a moment. If you all don't mind, that wasn't really in my script. But I remember several years ago, she lost her, and I talked about this before. I think I spoke for Mother's Day, and she lost her son. He was in a car accident. He got thrown out the car into a tree. He was 10 months old. 
and he passed away. After that, she's lost several family members and brothers. She come from a very big family. And about five years ago, she was stricken with brain cancer. She was stricken with brain cancer, and last year, was it last year, Clifton? Last year, after being stricken with brain cancer, she lost her husband. Now, this is a woman who's in a wheelchair. She can't use but one of her arms. But let me tell you something. She is enduring. I call her to be encouraged. I talked to her last week, and my first question in, well, how's it going? How are you doing? What she says is just fine. I'm doing just fine. How about that? She is enduring. She has not fallen away from the Lord. And before COVID, she was going to church. She was going to church and looking forward to going to church. Somebody had to take her to church. She couldn't drive herself like we can drive ourselves to church. Somebody had to take her to church, and now she's watching it online. We have to endure. We have to be committed to God and endure through the storms. And I'll tell you somebody else. I wasn't planning on talking about this. This brings tears to my eyes. But my daughter and her husband, they got married last year. And got married in September. I want to tell this story, so y'all pray for me. And was pregnant in December. Thought that they would go ahead and start. It'd be a year before they have a baby. Got pregnant in December. And in the 20th week, she was told that she had something called fetal growth restriction. The baby wasn't growing like he should. They told her that um, there was something wrong with the baby's brain. They told her that um, just various things. One doctor even said that you may want to consider abortion. But she told her that that was not an option. But I've watched Brooke, and some of you all know Brooke. I have watched how, how she has endured. My little Hendrix, Christopher Addison, he's doing okay, y'all. He had a hole in his heart, and he had surgery at six weeks old to repair the hole in his heart. And now he's having some old folks issues, some acid reflux issues. But I know that the Lord is going to bring him through that too. But I have watched them not faint. They are not fainting. They are, they are walking by faith, and they are being strong through this. Sometimes she gets a little stress, but everything is fine. He's a smart little boy. He can figure out little things. Even at three months, oh, there's nothing wrong. And that, guess what? They can't believe there's nothing wrong with the brain because they thought it was, because they saw it, but there's nothing wrong. And the last test. The last test that he had a couple of weeks ago, I believe, and she's a mama. They keep searching. I keep, and they just don't know our God. They just don't know our God. But you have to endure through the storms. Just stand firm. Number three, Anna also teaches us to be consistent in your next steps. Just be consistent. 
Luke 2 37 says, she's never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Anna consistently served God in the temple. Because of this, we know her today. In Anna's day, there were plenty of reasons for her to avoid going to the temple. She was old. She was very old, it tells us. But she was still going to the temple after her husband had been dead for either 60-some years or either 80-some years. And, you know, when you start getting old, your eyes start going bad. Your body starts to ache. But Anna still found a way to include, to include and serve God by praying and fasting in the temple. She didn't let comfort stop her from being consistent. We will be known by how consistent we are. In fact, I had to give a reference for somebody last week, and they asked about something. I thought about the consistent things that she had done, and that's what I shared uh, with the recruiter. Are you known for being consistent in your walk with the Lord? Are you hot, cold, or cold based on your situation? Everyone loves a consistent person. Because a consistent person can, can be depended on. It's somebody that you can depend on. If you were trying to find Anna, you were guaranteed to find her in the, in the temple because she was consistently there. If she told you she would pray for you, she would probably pray for you because she was consistent. I know some of you are saying, I'm consistent, I'm consistent, uh, consistently late. I consistently love to eat. But let's also be consistent in serving the Lord, consistent in prayer and fasting, and be known for good consistently. Good consistencies. Your trials will come, and the only one that will be able to help in is the Lord. Let's be consistent in prayer when those trials come. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 tells us, pray without Pray without ceasing. Anna endurance through life challenges, including God and being consistent, allowed her to see the day she had been looking forward to. Her fasting denied her the physical and fed the spiritual. And she, and she had eyes to be able to even recognize Jesus. I don't know if she heard Simeon, Simeon or not. But I believe that, and I also believe that she probably was somewhat of a thin lady because she did a lot of fasting. You know, and not fasting to lose weight, but she did a lot of fasting and many important Jewish leaders were not able to recognize Jesus. But Anna at the temple was able to recognize Jesus. Um, number four, I told you I will give you five. Anna teaches us. Did I say, uh, did I do four or five? Do you remember Clifton? <laughs> I think I did four. Anna teaches us in your next step, be thankful. Be thankful. Y'all remember the, uh, the um, be thankful. Verse 38 says, coming up to them, she came up to Mary and Joseph. At that very moment, she gave thanks to God. She didn't give thanks to Mary and Joseph. But she gave thanks to God. I want to stop here because it's so important that we remember to give thanks. You know, there's a prayer that 
I remember we used to pray in, in Moms in Touch. It was, we would pray adoration, confession. Then we would pray thanksgiving. We would pray thanksgiving. And then we would do supplication. But thanksgiving is appropriate for God, for all that he has done for us. But, and Anna never stopped believing that salvation would come through the promised Messiah, and she didn't take it for granted that God had favored her to actually see his coming. Anna simply gave thanks. She gave thanks to God. Psalm 105 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. I did have another one, and it's number five. Anna also teaches us in Luke 2:38 when we learn things that make a big difference in our lives, we should share it with others. Do y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? Let's, let's go back here and read Luke 38. Luke 238. Uh, uh, let's see here. It's difficult for me to see up here for some reason. But I'm going to find it. Here we go. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So she just didn't take it for granted. She just didn't take it for granted. She gave thanks to God. And then it tells us that she spoke about it to others. In the same way we appreciate someone teaching us certain truths, we should do the same for others. In the valley, it's when we learn the most and many times grow the closest to God. So those things that we learn in the valley, tell it. Tell it so others will be able to um, learn from that. When God opens our eyes to see truths, Tell it. According to Luke 2, 38, also Anna, upon discovering the Messiah, not only gave thanks to God, but spoke about the child, and I said that already. But Anna was a woman of wisdom because the Bible says she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She was a prophetess with a discerning spirit. I want to share with you, your testimony isn't for everybody. It's not for everybody. It wasn't like she shared this with everybody, but it tells us that she shared it with like-minded people, those who were looking forward for the redemption of Jerusalem. So it's good to be discerning, and we, we must share when the Holy Spirit calls us to share. Now, to summarize, get to know God now. And if you're not saved, you can be. You can know him today. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and was raised from the dead, that you shall be, you shall be saved. And being saved means getting to know God. He will wash you and cleanse you from your sins. Remember, we can endure challenges if we include God 
in our next in our next steps. Be consistent. How many of you all are going to be a little more consistent in your prayer life and in your Bible study time and so forth? Don't fall away from God when hard times come. If physically possible, keep serving God regardless and include him in your next step life. Share with others when you learn in your next step process. Whatever your next steps are, you've gone through a critical time in your life and, you, and you've included God and you have some, uh, God has given you some next steps, share it with other people, what God has done for you. What the songwriter said, there's no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he can do it for you. Regardless of what happens, remember your next step should include, your next step should include, it, it, it seems rather odd for me to be saying this to Christians. But a lady told me one time, she's a honey folk at the church ain't thinking about no Jesus. She said, you better get your purse. But I want to leave you with Psalm 16, 8. Psalm 16, 8 says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. As Anna did, we should keep our eyes on the Lord and include him in our next steps.